Good evening. Welcome one more time to the University of Spiritual Warfare. We are delighted that you have taken time out of your busy schedule to join us tonight. And we want to have a deep discussion tonight regarding the things that are happening around the world. You see, <clears throat> fish rots from the head down. Mm -hmm. And what we see happening across the nations, it is showing that uh, leading nations of the world, the leaders, the head nations, are doing most of the rotting. And tonight we want to get right into this tonight. We are going to see exactly what the Bible has to say. And we want to learn and see a couple of uh, things, and we want to take them in stride and take them in step in progression. Today we're talking about dark days are here, but darker days are ahead. Dark days are here, but darker days are ahead. This is such prophetic. This is not doom and gloom. So let's go to Isaiah, the 60th chapter, and see what the Bible says. Verse 2 says, Behold, look, the darkness shall cover the earth. Gross darkness, the people. Did you hear that? Darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness covering the people. Darkness is a reference to what Satan brings and what Satan gives. He is the prince of darkness, and all he does, he cannot shine light. Only Jesus can do that. So he brings darkness. And he envelops the world in darkness. But when it comes to the mind of people, the Bible says gross darkness shall cover the people. Because you see, the devil goes into the mind. He goes into the psyche. He goes into the soul. And when he deposits himself in there, when he invades the soul and he occupies the soul, the prince of darkness are his dark demons only exude darkness from that soul. So when a demon goes into the prodigal boys and the prodigal girls, what do you think comes out of them? Gross darkness. It says, but the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. So please look no further. The Bible says, his glory, his power shall arise upon you. Please don't pass the book. Don't look and say, well, upon the preacher, the evangelist, and somebody else. No, upon you. The Lord has chosen you for this moment, for this time. And I don't care how many birthdays you have. It doesn't matter what country you're in, how much money you have. Jesus said, I picked you. The mere fact you're listening to me, that means the Lord has called you and he has this message for me to tell you. You're a candidate. Uh -huh. You're chosen. You're the elect of God. You're the chosen ones of God. Now, we want to know and understand, as the scripture says, darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness covers people, souls. So darkness covers the earth, gross darkness covers what? The souls of people. And then he calls upon you. He says, I've chosen you for such a moment. So what are you going to do? You're going to shine your light. We're going to deal with that in a little while. But let me make a couple of things uh, clear to you. We're seeing what's going on in, for example, the first world nations. We're seeing, for example, in Europe, and we're seeing what's going on in America. And we're looking at these nations, the G7, they call themselves, the first world nations. And when we look at these nations, if we were to kind of give them another name, I would call them Euro-Sodom and Gomerica. Euro-Sodom and Gomerica. Sodom and Gomorra. Euro-Sodom and the Europeans, every one of them, Sodomites and Gomerica. And we're looking at this. 
And it's important that we know and be able to speak boldly and understand exactly what's going on here. Because you see, the Bible does not change, and our authority is the Bible. We take our authority and our power and our cue from the Bible because, you see, the Bible tells us what happens before is going to happen again, and what's happening today is going to happen in the future. The Bible tells us that God is a jealous God, and his jealousy is as the grave. God tells us, the Bible, should I say, the Bible tells us that God is angry with wickedness. He is angry with the wicked every single day. And God will look at the wicked to destroy the wicked. But more than anything else, I said more than anything else, the Bible says the wicked is looking at you and me, the righteous, and looking to kill us. Well, that's not too nice, is it? That leaves us on the defensive, right? No, wrong. We're not on the defensive. We're on the offensive. At all times, we're on the offense. So, when the Bible tells us certain things, and our enemy is the wicked, and the wicked, God says, I'm angry with them every day. And the wicked, the Bible says, God tells us, the, the wicked watches the righteous consistently and seeks to kill us. What does that tell us? They are your deadly enemies. So anytime you want to pray, anytime you want to go to warfare, who are you warring against? The wicked. Those indwelt by Lucifer, Satan himself. So this is what we're dealing with, and this is why we have to. We must conduct spiritual warfare. Now, build back better. We've talked about that so many times. Build back better. You heard about it, what they're doing, exactly what the world is about to do, why they do it, what they're doing. They are seeking to destroy the system. They are seeking to crush this entire system. The system that's in the world right now, A.D., ever since the year one, Anno Domini, they want to tear it down and they want to build it back. What they want to do is they want to build it back in the image of Lucifer, Satan. I've told you several times, I've taught you about Agenda 2021, which is now called Agenda 2030. They have a 10-year master plan. And that by 2030, they will have the entire world eating out of their hands. The entire world will be built upon doing what they, the United Nations, and the World Economic Forum has designed. They want to destroy the whole world, burn it, slash it. They want to destroy, depopulate the whole humanity as much as possible. And they want to build it back. And when they build it back, they say it's going to be better. They tell us, this is their slogan, by the year 2030, you will own nothing, but you're guaranteed to be happy. Taken from that spirit of colonialism, feudalism, I call it the castle spirit. Taken from England and Europe, where they built castles, and everybody outside the castles living around the castles upon thousands of acres of land, they were serfs, poor people. They didn't own the land. They lived on the land. And when they lived on the land, they had to work the land. And they had to give a 40% to the feudal lord. And that's how it works. And that's what they're after again. Are you seeing that history repeats itself? And these lords are dark lords. They're evil pe people. So, Euro Sodom and Gomerica. Build back better. Now, let's talk about something here now. In the near future, it will become illegal to doubt the government or even the mass media on the grounds that you doubt them, you doubt their validity, you doubt their truth. Your doubt implies disbelief, and your disbelief will be a crime. And that's what they want. They want total obedience. That's what they had 
out of the serfs, or else they would beat him. They would punish him or kick him off the land. So they want total obedience. Disbelief is a crime. And if you, if, if you disbelieve, then you're going to be a foreign agent. You're going to be somebody else on the outside. And they don't want that. They want everybody obeying and everybody believing. And they're going to take that to the point where they're going to make everybody put a chip in their body, a mark in their body. It's called the mark of the beast. This is how far they will go. Take it from me. That's what the Bible tells us. Revelation thirteen sixteen. They want everybody wearing a mark. Let's go back in history a little bit. They've always been tearing down the family. And this began in the 1960s. I remember in the 60s, it was the hippie days. Remember the hippie days? Peace, man, peace. Uh, everybody was saying peace. They were stoned out of their minds smoking weed. But in that time, that was when the revolution began. By the way, in that time, that was when they took the prayers out of the school. Remember that? Madeline Murray O'Hare. Okay. 1962 or 63, I believe it was. And then, single parents since that time became the new norm. It was no longer a biological father, a biological mother, and biological children. So run with me. Let's all do a little overcapping or a little overview right now. So there are no biological families anymore. The basic building blocks of our societies and nation states were being ripped apart. After one generation of this atrocity, with the appearance of the stepfathers, the stepmothers, and the stepchildren, that's what we had since that time. We had step everything. Huh? No biological links between them. A revolving and uh, uh, suppressed disease came to the forefront. It was called pedophilia. And I remember those days. And I remember papers I used to write when I was in university. And this, uh, I used to share with other students in different areas there, other than my major. And they were writing different papers. So sometimes we had to read, read each other's papers, thesis, uh, reports. And that's when pedophilia came out. Because you see, there was no bond between a stepfather and a stepdaughter, or a stepmother and a stepson. There was no, there was no sacred bond between them. So pedophilia came into the forefront, even though it was hushed up and kept under the quiet, swept under the rug. So... We're going under the rug, don't we? Rolling back the rug and pulling some stuff out and showing you how society broke down. Darkness covered the earth and gross darkness began to cover the people. And by the way, it didn't all start, start just like this. Turn the switch on and it started. No, it grew and grew and grew until what it became today. Thirdly, what happened? There was a breakdown of family life continued over two generations. And over the last decade, there was what we call a gender war. There are no longer any father. There's no longer a mother. There's no longer a son or daughter. Because family breakdown means that children have no father-mother roles, role models. Family has broken down to the point where they have no role models. And what's happened is that many families have no fathers in the houses. So what has happened that the role models, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, has been totally ripped out of the family. So the family has suffered. Things have gone down. This is kind of painful for some people. Don't let it be a bother to you. Because if you plug yourself in Jesus, he'll take care of this situation for you. But we're just going back through uh, teaching and show you why things are the way they are today, because it evolved. So the children had no father, mother, role models. And the result was that few of them knew who they were, uh-huh, or who they are, or how they should behave, how they should relate. Who do I emulate? 
I never had a father in my life. I don't know what it means to be a father. I don't know what it means to be a man. Who do I emulate? What do I do as a man? What do I do as a woman? What do I do as a mother? I don't have anyone to pattern my life after. I never saw my mother do something. I never saw my father do something. So there was that missing link because of what has transpired. So we're seeing great confusion what happened. Happened. We're seeing sexual identity, identity crisis. And I'm talking about the culture at large. So we're seeing all these things happen. And it seems to have come upon us, bam! Because you see, this is the time that we're living in today. And today, everything has been exacerbated by what's going on with LGBTQ. All right? So today, what we see happening now, we're fast forward and we're moving forward rapidly. All the walls have been torn down. Everything has come out. All right? So today we're seeing the invention of parent one uh-huh, and parent two. There's no mother. There's no father. They call parent one and parent two in most of our prominent first world societies. In the third world societies, the little islands and the African countries and the many third world countries, you know, not very rich countries, it's still the old-fashioned way. Mama, Papa, there's a family structure. Because you see, in the poorer countries, they grew up with what? Family. There's the extended family. There's the grandparents, the parents. There's the children, their grandchildren. And there's a love that's there that's not in the modern first world societies. And this is what we see going on today. Right? Now we are seeing now what they have is legalized same-sex marriages everywhere. Western Europe, the European nations, U.S., Canada, Australia, all the first world nations. This is what we see going on. Right? So we see these things are being promoted increasingly by numbers, greater numbers of homosexual politicians men and women, and some of them don't identify themselves as such. They're still in the closet. They're still on the down low. They're still married. <coughs> but as they have their wives, their wife is their beard, their cover. But this is what they do. And please don't tell me these things don't go on. I was talking with a friend, and we're in a conversation and telling him, say, even with preachers, bishops, men of God, supposedly, and women of God, they're on the down low. Have a wife, have a marriage, but the man goes off, engage with another man. That's down low living. And vice versa, too. And lesbianism is in the church. All these things have crept in. That's like the the book of Jude tells us. So we see what is going on here. We're seeing the adoption of children by same-sex couples. Uh, It's called Western values and interests. Did you get that? Western values and interests. Values and interests have become homosexual things doing what they want to do homosexually because they want to please everybody and they have made their laws, they have put in their encryption, their statutes that is very much okay. It's legal two men to get married and two women to get married. So this is what we are seeing going on today. But first thing I want to tell you, if you want to flare up, that's okay. Because, you see, I don't go by what man's law says, and it doesn't matter how many million people live in that nation or that society. China is the most populous nation on the face of the earth. 1.5 billion people, and the Chinese have not made that their laws. But if they did, it wouldn't make a difference to me anyway. I know in India, 1.4 billion people. I know it's part of their law 
two men can get married and two women can get married. I know certainly in the richest nation in the world, America, USA. Yeah, that's the law. And these are the things that we are seeing being pushed to the forefront of modern society. And before I get into how does God feel about this situation, I want to talk a little bit more about interests and values. We're seeing, for example, in Russia and Ukraine, that conflagration, that war you have going. The Ukrainians have to pay the billions of dollars of arms it receives. It has to pay for promoting Western values. In other words, you take my arms, you get my weaponry. Guess what? You have to promote my interests and my values. Huh? Now, this is how it is. America says this is our interests and this is our values. I want you to hold those two words together, interests and values. Because interests and values go along with the flag. And I taught you this several times. Flag is a symbol of a nation. And then we'll, let's go over it a little bit. The symbol of America is a U.S. flag. The flag represents the Constitution and what America stands for. And by the way, the greatest Constitution upon the face of the earth, the greatest nation upon the face of the earth is the U.S. Navy. The greatest liberties, the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments of the Constitution, is offered by the USA, which offers to everyone life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No other Constitution is as great as or even compares to the U.S. Constitution. Okay? But over time, what has transpired is that the U.S. Constitution has been put aside as an old docket or an old document. And something new has come along. And that something new has come along with a new flag. And that flag now, representing the new interests and the new values of the USA, has been placed beside the American flag. And every June, the month of June, you will see a U.S. flag is here, has flown on the flagpole, but on your building there's another flag. It's a six-colored flag, and that flag represents pride. That has been placed alongside of the American flag, the U.S. Constitution, as a symbol of interests and values. And I've taught you before that you have heard many, many soldiers from World War II, they come, they have fought for the flag of America. They have died for the flag willingly, proudly. They gave their life for it. Many men have injured, have been injured and said, I would not have it anyway. I fought for my country. I fought for what I believe in. I cherish my flag, my country, my freedoms. The old, what they call old glory. Great. Nothing wrong with that. Everything must go along with what they believe. Interests and values. But again, new interests and new values have come along and represented by this new flag. And by the way, this new flag represents what is called Western values, like Western civilization, meaning the Eurocentric civilization. It means that, you know, everything started over in Europe, England, Europe, and then come over to America, because if you know your history, it was not the Americans that started everything, it was the pilgrims. The Europeans, they came from England, and they came over to America, and they found, uh, found what they call the New World. They found the Indians here, actually. But they eventually conquered America, subdued America, subdued the Indians, and made America as it is today. So, between Europe, England, and America is what we call Western world. And what they collectively stand for is called Western 
values, interests, and values. The new interest and the new values flag, again, is the pride flag. And a flag means you're willing to die for. You're willing to be injured for. You're willing to go to war for and fight for these new Western values and Western interest. And this is where we are today. Now, usually if you sell something, you'll get something in return. But if you sell your soul to the devil, <laughs> if you sell your soul to the devil, you not only receive nothing in return, but you have to pay for the sale. It will cost you dearly. If you sell your soul to the devil, you get nothing in return, but you will have to pay for the sale. Now, I want to point out something very, very powerful to you. In the annals of nations, in the history of nations, when you look at nations and you look at different countries, before a nation falls, before a nation goes down, and usually it might take any time, five years, 10 years, 15, 20. And by the way, America is about 245 years old as an empire. Uh, and the longest lasting empire was lasting 250 years, the British Empire, the Spanish Empire, and the Ottoman Empire. wrote that in my uh, third book. Now, we're seeing that what falls in a nation, the first thing to fall, is the spirituality of the nation. There is a spiritual fall in the nation. And when the spiritual fall begins to happen, what comes in because of the spiritual fall is a rot, a satanic rot, R-O-T. Foul, unclean demons come in. The fish begins to rot, and it rots from the head down, rots on the leadership coming down. So the falling of a nation begins with a spiritual fall first. Then comes the fall of the nation. There are other things that will come, you know, but the chief foundation is the spiritual foundation of that nation that will crumble and fall first. Whether you read your Bible and you see what happened with Israel, and you see what happened with any nation, how they angered God, when you go to the Bible, you see the book of Jonah with Nineveh. Nineveh fell. God sent the reluctant prophet Jonah, go warn them and tell them, hey, 40 days you'll be overthrown. And he told them. But guess what? The king of that nation, the leader, said, no way. It's not going to happen. Not on my watch. So he mandated a three-day fast before God. No animals are given water or food. Not even the baby on the breast. And they, they mandated three days of fasting in sackcloth and ashes. And what did God do? The Lord relented. He, tur he turned around. He changed his mind. He had mercy after he heard a mercy cry upon Nineveh. And he spared Nineveh. And the Bible tells us that he was spared for a long time. The history books tell us, even though not the Bible said, Nineveh was spared for 70 years, then destroyed, because they fell back in sin. So a spiritual fall is first in the nations, or in the collection of nations. And what we're seeing here is Western values and Western interests, is what is bringing about the spiritual fall of these nations. <clears throat> now, I want to make it abundantly clear. The, these nations, England, America, the European nations, France, Germany, Netherlands, you know, those kind of countries in Europe, they were colonialist nations. Almost every one of them has colony, and they colonized Africa. England colonized America, to which America is still a colony. 
Germany colonized Namibia and many other places. The Netherlands, you can go over in the islands, Antilles. Spain was a colony. Uh, Spain was a colonizer. Portugal was a colonizer. Brazil speaks Portugal primarily because Portugal was a colonizer. Spain, many areas, many some islands and many countries in Latin America speak Spanish because Spain was a colonizer. They went out with their ships. Uh, I was a young boy doing history. They taught, they taught us about the Pinta, Nina, and the Santa Maria, three ships that went out and they found different islands and they colonized them in, in the Spanish. And then there was a fight between Spain and England for colonies. And England won and took many of Spain's colony and they treated the island, their people uh, like slaves. They colonized them. They became slaves. They became your slaves. They had slavery. They had guns and bullets. So you couldn't buy them and swords. Now, what do you have? A few bows and arrows? Living primitive, so these little islands with the native people, the Indians, they couldn't fight them. So these nations, the colonizing nations, they had certain values and they had certain interests. Coming down, see what happened now. There was a spiritual fall first. Then the nation begins to fall. When you look at the nation, and you begin to see the spiritual signs erode and become weak, and the pillars of spiritual uh, uh, things, the Bible, church, you then begin to see the satanic signs come in, the satanic rituals, satanic worship. Extraordinary thing is the self-justification of the Western world for its own suicide and its refusal to admit that anything is wrong with it. What we see in America is that everything is wrong with America. There is rituals being performed. There are satanic signs and symbols that are taking over the culture. And when we look at these satanic signs and symbols and rituals that have come in, they're very anti-God and very anti-Bible. <laughs> I won't even mention being anti-Jesus. Now, when you talk about Jesus, it's like really waving a red flag before a raging bull. But I love to enrage people sometimes. I love to talk about Jesus, and not only talk about Jesus, but the blood of Jesus. That, that blood was shed on Calvary's cross for the remission of our sin. This is how we see culture deteriorate. This is how we see the spiritual death of a nation. Preachers don't preach Jesus no more. Preachers don't preach the word of God anymore. Preachers don't preach sin and repentance from sin anymore. Preachers don't preach hell, fire, and brimstone anymore. As a boy growing up, I'd hear about preachers preach and talk about fire and brimstone, and they'd talk about hell. Now, let me tell you something. Back in those days when those preachers preached, there were much better days than today. Because you see, the word got out of their mouth. Fire and brimstone and fire and burning sulfur. Is that in the Bible? Of course it is. That's the only thing that the devil is afraid of. That's correct. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, it says Satan will be cast. He'll, he'll be taken with all his fallen angels and all those who believe with him will be taken and cast into the lake of fire and burning with sulfur, where he, Satan, will be tormented, and his evil angels, of course, will be tormented forever and ever and ever. There is no other place in the Bible that tells you that the devil will be tormented, except in the lake of fire burning with sulfur. Hell is fire, but hell cannot stop Satan. Matter of fact, Satan loves hell. <clears throat> he loves the fires of hell where he torments the human soul. Those who are foolish and believe him and go to hell with him. He torments them in hell and in the fires of hell. 
I want you to understand that today. So Satan is not afraid of hell. He has free reign to go down in hell and come up from hell to the earth. Him and his demons do that all day long. But when it comes to the lake of fire, burning with sulfur, fire and brimstone, he is deadly afraid of that. And as I'm speaking, the demons are trembling. Because what? They know that their time is short. They know that one day they will be in torment. The shoe will be on the other foot. The tormentor will become the tormentee or the tormented one. And this is what it is. So the devil is not afraid of nothing except fire, burning sulfur, that lake of fire and burning sulfur, and the name Jesus Christ. And, of course, I've taught you that several times. You remember when the demons in the madman came out? They said, ah, I know you who you are. You are Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Have you come to torment us before time? They shrieked. They knew him. Have you come to torment us before the right season? You are going to torment us, Jesus. But the time is not yet. So back off. You cannot do it. Because it's not the right time. You cannot operate outside of what you said. Mm -hmm. So they know that. But guess what? The demon should know you don't have the Jesus to deal with yet, but you got Norman to deal with. And put your name there. You got Susie to deal with. Uh, you got Bobby to deal with. Uh, you got Yvette to deal with. You are going to be tormented by me because I am going to release the word of God all over you and let you know fire, brimstone and fire, brimstone. And by the way, is that anywhere else in the Bible? Oh, yes, it is. Psalm 11 and verse 6, it says, upon the wicked. Upon who? The wicked. Psalm 11, verse 6, check it out for yourself. God said, I'll rain down snares, traps, fire, brimstone, burning sulfur, and a horrible fury. And this shall be the portion of their cup. He will fill their cup with the fury, the wrath, fire, and brimstone. So when I begin to release that word and tell them that over and over, <laughs> I love it over and over. What am I doing? I'm pouring the wrath, the fire, the burning sulfur upon the devil. You know, like just like Jesus said to the devil, it is written, and he told him what was written. Well, I'm telling devil, devil, it is written, Psalm 11, verse 6, and I'm quoting it. On the wicked, my God said, he'll rain snares of fire, brimstone, burning sulfur, and a horrible fury, a tempest upon you. This shall be the portion of your cup. He's going to fill your cup with this. And I'm telling that to him. Just as Jesus answered the devil and said, it is written. And he told him what was written. Well, the devil cannot refute me because that is the word of God. And when I answer him with this word, the fire of that word is burning him because you see that word is a living, active word. And when that word, spirit and life, comes to the devil, oh my God, he feels the torment of that word. Remember now what the devil said to Jesus, have you come to torment us before time? When Jesus met Lucifer, he fasted and he prayed. And he encountered him. The devil, who's always been the same way, spoke to Jesus, who was in a human flesh body just like we are. And when he spoke to Jesus, he said, if you think you know who you are, then go ahead. Turn these stones into bread. In other words, obey me. Do as I tell you. I'm Satan. You're Jesus. And if you think your name is Jesus, do as I tell you and turn these stones into bread. Jesus was never, ever obey the devil. Jesus would rather starve to death. Forty days of fasting. Well, let me tell you something. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, uh, -uh. man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when it comes to Code 7 warfare,
We cannot fight with sticks and stones and guns and bullets. No, those things don't work. No, 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 no. We cannot fight by praying up your flowery, nice, pretty, pretty prayers like you always pray. It don't work. The devil will grab that prayer and crush it like a piece of paper and ball it up and throw it to the ground and say, rubbish. How do you fight? You fight with the sword of the Spirit, the word of the living God. This is how the nation has to fight. And please don't look to the leaders and think the leaders are going to lead us. We pray for them. Uh, but you start. You begin. Get somebody in a prayer group. And you begin. Two of you. Three of you. And grow your prayer group. And when you grow your prayer group, leave it to the Lord. He'll start another prayer group over here. Do your best to start and encourage people to pray and fast. And trust the Lord that he'll raise up another group and another group and another group. And another group. And he'll do what he has to do. Because you must understand something that the Bible says. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It is not static. It's never on pause. Never on stop. Oh, please, don't, don't, don't run around and feel sorry for the church of Jesus Christ. You don't know what's going on in the church. Don't be like Elijah. Great, mighty prophet of God, honored man of God. And he ran from Jezebel, and he ran to God. He says, God, you've broken down your altars, and you're all worshiping Baal. I'm the only one left. <laughs> Can you imagine him telling God he must have been so stressed out? I am the only one left. And God had to sit him down and remind him, my son. You have done great. You have done a great job. And I'm going to tell you, because of the job Elijah did, he was translated. He didn't die. He was honored, just like Enoch. He was honored. God took him up to heaven. But God had to tell Elijah, Elijah, you're not the only one left, my son. I got 7,000 people who have not kissed Baal's feet nor bent their knee to worship him. So Elijah, chill out. Let me be God and you be a prophet and do as I tell you. So this is how nations die spiritually. We must do our part. Prophets, Prophetess, prophetesses, do your part. Get into prayer, the declaration of the word. Your nation is dying. Many nations are dying. And we're not praying for us four and no more. We're praying for the churches across the nations. As I said before, the nations, the church is advancing forcefully. The church is what? Advancing forcefully. It's forcefully advancing. And they what? The Bible says the violent take it by force, which means you must become spiritually violent and take what God has said you can and will and must have. Don't worry about the nation go to rot. Oh, you're all going to hell a handle basket. It's none of your business. Worry about yourself. And you do something. Encourage people to pray and pray for the nation. We have been praying. And every prayer we pray, we've been praying for the prodigal boys, prodigal girls, the seed of the righteous. We've been praying for those that are marked and destined for salvation, that God will bring them in. He will save them. That God will open their eyes, their ears, their understanding. The Bible says the mind of them that do not believe has been what? Blinded. That's the glorious light of Jesus Christ should shine forth upon them when they should come turn to Jesus. So we have been pleading fire and burning sulfur, the blood of Jesus, upon the mind of those whose minds have been blinded by the devil. Open their minds' eyes, Lord. Open their understanding. Open the eyes of the seed of the righteous. Prodigal boys and prodigal girls, bring them to themselves. The Bible says when the prodigal boy came to himself, 
He said, My father, I have servants, and every one of them, they have food enough and food to spare. And look at me, I'm starving out here. I'll go back to my father's house and I'll confess to him and tell him I don't, I'm no longer worthy to become his son. So make me like one of the hired hands. And this is what he said. He came to himself. But we know that God don't deal. God don't play like that. You're a child of God. He wants you to come and be a bona fide child of God. So the kingdom of God must be advanced, and it must be advanced forcefully. Never goes on pause. Don't pity the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ, take it by force. It is forcefully, constantly advancing. Might not be advancing in your city, your town, or what you see, or your, 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 what you read from uh, newspaper reports about the preachers and about people and what's going on in the gossip columns. No. There are young men and young women. They don't know nothing. They've never been to church, but they're praying and they're seeking the Lord. They're seeking an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus is giving them encounter. Don't look at a nation and say, oh, this is a... This is a Muslim nation, or this is a Hindu nation, or this is a whatever religion it might be. And say, well, ain't nothing going on here. No. Jesus is moving mightily among the Hindus, the Muslims, every nation, every nationality. He is moving. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It's not static. It's growing. And we must do our part to help it grow. Because the nations are dying spiritually. What are you doing about it? Are you just complaining? Or are you praying and fasting for the nation? Don't be a complainer. So they come with these values, Western values, and they force it on other countries. And these nations become tormented. Because they're spiritually dying. Churches are closing. The Western world has been demonized. The demons have been called up from the bowels of hell to occupy it. They're holding seances. They're doing all kind of stuff like the witch of Endor to contact demons and bring up the demons and bring them up so you can converse with them. That's what they're doing. Covens of witches are meeting out in the woods in the forest. And they're with their incantations to conjure the devil and his demons. This is what Western interests, that Western values are promoting nowadays in our movies, in the series, the Netflix series. They're talking about witches now. I'm talking about warlocks, witchy movies, young witches. And that seems to be the hype because they want to grab the mind of our children. They want to grab the mind of the attention of our children so they become dabblers. But the blood of Jesus is against them. It has become Western interests and Western values. And they are pushing these interests and values upon smaller nation states. Understand that these centralized authorities are making mandates. The centralized ruling bodies in the middle of these nations are making mandates. And when the mandates they are making does not fully reflect the welfare and the well-being of the entire state and the people. Because the nation's centralized bodies are comprised of evil, devil-worshipping men and women. This is what they're doing. They're making decisions, and they're making evil decisions, driven by a lunacy, a satanic lunacy. That's why the Bible says this, the nations would be in distress with perplexity. They don't have the answer. But you know something? in spite of us seeing the nations in distress, and we're in nations that have these values, Western values and Western interests, and we see all this evil that makes God angry. We're not one of those people. I want you to know and understand that God does not punish 
the righteous with the wicked. Daddy Abram had his conversation with the Lord God Almighty. They said, far, from, far be it from you, righteous judge of all the earth. The righteous with the wicked, would you? And they said, no, if I find 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I'll spare the city. Well, how about 40, 30, 20, 10? Well, uh, Abraham, my son, if I find 10, I will spare the city. But he couldn't find 10. When he got in there and he sent the angel, all he found was four. And when he found four, a lot, and his wife and two daughters, guess what? His wife looked back. So all that left, Sodom and Gomorrah, was three. Spiritual death of a city. Values and interests. And when they held on to their values, they held on to their interests, the Lord God rendered his judgment upon them. And this is what we see going on today, right before our eyes. History repeating itself. And I want to point out to you tonight, don't get caught up in what your nation is doing. You're not your nation. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. You're an individual. I want to believe that you're chosen of God. You're the chosen ones. And if you have not made a decision and you're not surrendered to Jesus Christ, then you need to become surrendered to Jesus. Because you see, if you don't, if you don't, you'll lose out. Here's what the Holy Spirit said to me on one morning, the first Wednesday in 1988. I was saved. I thought I was a good guy. Everything was right with me. And a precious woman of God died on New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve that night, freak accident. And that first Wednesday, the bishop called me and told me what happened. And when I hung up the phone, he messed up my whole day. As I heard his voice deep inside of me, where would you go if you died right now? The voice was directed at me. Where would you go, Norman, if you died right now? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And I had to come up with an answer. By the end of the day, long story short, I had to make up my mind. I wouldn't go to hell. wouldn't go to heaven. I didn't know what it took to get there. And I didn't feel a connection or a surety to go to heaven. But I made up my mind that that first Sunday, I'm going to make myself right. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to surrender to Jesus. And I did. And ever since that day, I'm running with Jesus. And I'm not going to stop running with Jesus. And I want you, if you're not saved, to say, Jesus, I give up, I surrender. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to do it your way. And you run with Jesus, run for Jesus until he returns. Now, let me tell you something. We're in this world. This world has a lot of misery to offer. Dark days are not only coming. Dark days are here. But darker days are yet ahead. We need to know and understand that it's part of the spiritual dying process. Western values and Western interests and not God's values and God's interests. God is a holy God. You're hearing what I'm telling you. God is not a happy-go-lucky, give-me-anything God and wink, wink, nod, nod God. No. God is a holy God. Anything he says in his Bible, in his word, that's exactly what he's going to do. What he means, he says, and what he says, he means. So we've got to make sure that we do it by the book. We've got to make sure that we do it according to the word of the living God. We must become a holy people, a sanctified people, separated to the Lord our God. Don't try to please Western interests and Western values. Don't try to please presidents and prime ministers and billionaires. Don't try to please people. And you will be left outside going to hell with the rest of them. No. Go against the grain. Swim upstream. Don't go with the flow. Make sure you go with Jesus. Cost it what it will. Remember now, the kingdom of God is what? Forcefully advancing. Don't feel sorry for the church of Jesus Christ and feel like, well, you know, no. There is everything breathes power 
in the church of Jesus Christ. My God, if these precious saints of God only knew that when they get together and they begin, they begin to sing the songs of praise to Jesus, if they only knew and realized what they were doing, the amount of power and fire that Jesus is raining down upon the earth and against the demon, if you only knew, good God Almighty, just knowing would make you jump and shout out of your skin. You would never be ashamed of Jesus anymore. You would never be intimidated by a billionaire or what people say anymore. You'd be so proud. Hold your head high. When I begin to declare the word of the living God, I let the fire run out and burn loose. My mouth is full of fire, fire in my hands, my feet, my mouth. Let me tell you something. I know what I'm doing because I know where I'm positioned. I'm positioned above the nations of the earth and the kingdoms of this world. The centralized authorities, decision-making authorities, don't have no more power than me. They might make decision powers that affects down here. But when I begin to declare what thus saith the living God, I make decisions. And the Lord makes his decisions based upon my word, which is his word, based upon what he has said. And he overrides all your decisions because I'm declaring his word. You see, his word becomes my word, and my word becomes his word. So we're balled up as one. He will perform the counsel of his servants, his messengers. And who do you think is going to come out on top? I will. You will. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It never goes on pause. And thank God I am part of that kingdom. Thank God you are a part of that kingdom. And I want you to know the role that you play. You're not a little wimp, and you're not just an insignificant little sissy. You're not an insignificant little grandma and grandpa. You're not an insignificant little person living in a room. I don't know about how many birthdays you might have because the devil lies to you. But you don't count, and you don't matter because you well, like he might tell you, you're too old. You don't have enough money. Hmm? Nobody don't talk to you. You're wasting time to pray. You're wasting time to praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you only knew what just lifting your hand and begin to praise the name of Jesus is doing, if you only knew when you begin to declare the word of God, if all you know is the 23rd Psalm, then read it. You know it by heart. Declare it. Lift your hands and speak it. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And every time you declare the word of God, what are you doing? You're helping to advance it. You're helping to stop the spiritual rot of your nation. You're helping to preserve the world because the word of God is a preservative. Number one, number two, you are the salt and the light of this world. You're acting in the tempo and the flavor and in the manner that Jesus wants you to act in. Please understand, you're not a wimp. You're not a pushover. Jesus is standing right there with you. kingdom of God is forcefully going forward. Are you helping it to go forward? If you're not helping it go forward, please understand, you can't help it go backward. Because it ain't going back for you no matter how you think you are or you don't feel. No, 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 no. You ain't going to cause it to go one iota backward. But for God's sakes, I beg of you, help to move the kingdom forward forcefully forward. What do you do? Kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and a violent. Take it by force. Take that kingdom. Take the word of God to the enemy. Take fire to the enemy. 
Take brimstone to the enemy. Take the hammer to the enemy. Let the enemy know you're not going to win, buddy. You're not going to conquer. You're not going to overcome. I might be down today. I might not feel good. The kingdom of God is not dependent upon how you feel. I close with this. Sometimes you get a little distress, discouraged. I want to tell you, I don't care how many birthdays you have. I don't care whether you're a brother or a sister. I don't care where you're listening to me from. I want you to hear the message from the living God. The kingdom of God is not dependent upon how you feel. Listen, we ride the emotional roller coaster. Someday you get up, you don't feel good. Someday you get up, you feel good. Please understand the kingdom of God does not depend on how you feel. The kingdom of God operates strictly upon what does say the living God, the word of God. So in spite of how you feel, you could declare the 23rd Psalm and say, lift your hand and begin to praise him and thank him. Just begin to worship him. Then you're helping to advance the kingdom. But if you sit there like a frog on a log, wallowing in self-pity, guess what? You're not helping nothing. And even though you're not helping doing nothing, you're still not pulling back the kingdom of God. Uh-uh. Don't let the devil fool you. Well, I don't want to feel like praising God. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. You're not doing anything to bring it back. You're not doing anything to put the kingdom of God on pause. Stop. Wait for you and wait till you feel good. Rubbish. The kingdom of God is going to be forcefully advancing and moving forward without you. So you're going to make up your mind. Are you going to be part of going forward in the kingdom and moving it forward? Are you going to be part of just sitting there and think, well, it's not going to stop for you, honey. Brother, it won't pause for you. The kingdom of God is going to move forward anyway. So I beg you, whatever you do every day in every way, well, you can say the 23rd Psalm. I just lift your hand and say, Lord Jesus, I praise you. And just praise him. That's how you get the kingdom going forward. And when heaven records and says, hey, listen, Norman was, uh, what's today's date? Uh, the 11th uh, at uh, about just about 9 o'clock right now. He was helping to push the kingdom forward. Because if you don't do your part, somebody in Africa will do it. Somebody in Timbuktu will do it. Somebody in Russia will do it. Somebody in China will do it. Somebody in Australia. Somebody somewhere will do it. But see, please, I beg of you, don't sit there and believe that, you know, no, 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 no. This thing don't stop for you. Mm-mm. Kingdom of God is going to move forward without you, whether you help it or not. If you help it, fantastic. It will go on your record. You help to advance the kingdom. But if you don't, the devil will be like, well, it can't go on without me. That's a lie. It's going to go on without you. I said the kingdom is going to advance without you. Anybody who dies today, and I've seen some of God's most precious saints in the past, they die, the kingdom of God is still advancing and advancing forcefully. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? It never ceases. It never pauses. It never stops. It never takes a vacation. But guess what? I am determined. Make sure that as this kingdom is advancing, I am going to help push and push and push. I'm going to make sure I do my part. Put it on the record, Lord, every time Norman is saying, Hallelujah, glory, Jesus. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Any time I release the word, I'm moving the kingdom forward. So please, I want to leave you with this tonight. The spiritual death and decline of nations is occurring in many nations. Western values and Western interests. The mod- mod- modernity of our societies, the internet, and all the modern things that we have is killing us. We're drowning in filth and sewer. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? 
How do you stop the drowning in filth and sewer? The sewer is up to people's nostrils and many cannot breathe. How do you lift them above so they become and they can breathe a little bit, a life-giving breath of fresh air? The kingdom of God must be forcefully advanced by the declaration of the word of the living God. And if you don't help to advance the kingdom of God, God help you tonight. Because it's not going to stop. It's not going to pause. It's not going to cease. It's not going to stop operating because of you. I want to invite you, get my book. Get the understanding of Code 7 Warfare. If you have the book, go back through it again. Study the strategy. Get understanding of Code 7 Warfare. Because you see, the Word of God must be weaponized. And once you weaponize that word, you're thereby advancing the kingdom of God. Go to Barnes & Noble's Amazon, or go to BibleCode7.com, any one of our books. You get them, get the strategy, buy a book or two for your family or friends. Teach them the strategy of Code 7 Warfare. Bring them out of where they are. Bring them into where Jesus wants them to be. The nations. The nations, the advanced nations are in spiritual decline. They're dying. They're going down rapidly. But in spite of the death, the self-inflicted death, I am going to do my part to help and advance the kingdom of God forcefully. May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace both now until Jesus returns. Have yourself a fabulous and amazing night. God bless you.